0: Midwife calling. Hello and welcome to Poplar Opinion, a call the Midwife podcast where we're talking about every episode of Call the Midwife, uh, without spoilers. Wait, stop everything! Stop everything!
1: Normally, this is a spoilerless podcast. But we are going to have a spoiler section at the end of this episode because some things happen in this episode that we wanted to talk about the future of. So stay tuned at the end of the episode for a spoiler section. Alright, back to the show.
0: Of Call the Midwife, uh, without spoilers, and I am Jan Moffat.
1: I'm Dr. Paul Moffat, not that kind of doctor, and this week we are talking about episode eight of season four of Call the Midwife, or series four. I always say season, but they would say series, and do. <laughs> this episode is the last episode of season four except the Christmas specials, which kind of uh, exist in a liminal space between seasons. It was written by Heidi Thomas and directed by Darcia Martin. Darcy Martin directed the last episode, the mm. seventh episode of this season. And Heidi Thomas, of course, is the series creator. She was last credited as a writer on episode six, but as showrunner, I suspect that she's involved in the writing of every episode. Jan, do you want to take us away on the recap of this episode?
0: I sure would. Mature Jenny narrates about what we see in the mirror while Trixie and Patsy prepare for the day. Fred and a nervous Violet celebrate their engagement at Nenatus. They talk about how their kids may not come to the wedding. Chummy arrives back at Nenatus bearing her mother's ashes, which are mistaken for cake by Sister Monica Joan. (laughs) In the clinic... A pregnant mom, Maureen, is unable to keep any food down. Fred's daughter, Marlene, arrives and isn't happy about Violet, thinking he hasn't thought through the marriage. Chummy and Trixie talk about her mother's ashes and where to scatter them. Trixie visits June, a pregnant woman who is profoundly deaf. They are unable to understand each other until her husband, Kevin, arrives and is able to translate. Later, the nurses discuss it over lunch, and Sister Evangelina is upset about a father in the in, in the delivery room. The room is divided into pro and con, having Kevin in the room, but it's ultimately decided that he should be. Marlene goes to visit Violet and is rude to her, convincing her that Fred is only marrying Violet for the money. Patsy and Delia meet for coffee, and Delia reveals that they can live in a flat together as roommates, living as a couple in secret.
1: So... I want to get out of the way immediately one thing about this episode that maybe is not a big deal to you, but there's a Maureen and a Marlene. I know,
0: it is a big deal to me because it's annoying, (laughs) and I kept messing them up in my notes. So,
1: Maureen is this blonde mother with nausea, Marlene is Fred's daughter. You said it right, but I'm just saying it for, like, clarity of myself.
0: Maureen, Marlene. Maureen. The emphasis are on the different... Marlene.
1: Yeah. Maureen. Marlene. Exactly.
0: <laughs> okay, stop saying it, and let's get on with the episode. <laughs>
1: um, where do you want to start? Do you want... I... I'm in, going to interrupt asking to answer my own question. I always like starting with the voiceover. Yeah, and absolutely. And we start with um, mature Jenny talking about what we see in the mirror, and we get a clue right there. That the, uh, emotional centers of the episode are going to be Trixie and Patsy, which Mm -hmm. they are. Yeah. Um, so Trixie and Patsy both getting ready for the day, looking at themselves in the mirror. And I think it is, like, a, uh, especially, like, to, to, uh, forecast the end of the episode a little bit but already in the through the season and already at the beginning of the episode like who Trixie sees in the mirror is not who she wants to see
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and who Trixie presents to the world is not who Trixie feels herself to be Mm -hmm. Uh, and we see that really in the performance too she like looks in the mirror very sadly Mm -hmm. Um, and in a different way Patsy is uh hiding a lot about, uh, who she is. Mm -hmm. I feel
0: like it was in the last episode that Delia said it's a lot easier for you to (gasps) mask and it's not as easy for me.
1: Yeah. And so we have Patsy, like, getting ready in the mirror and the, this episode is largely going to be about how Patsy can't show her feelings to the people around her. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: I think in terms of how this show uh, has made Trixie up, like in terms of like the makeup department, I feel like, and I'd have to really go back and look, but I feel like as she has gotten more and more uh, into alcohol and becoming an alcoholic, she her makeup has got, gotten heavier. Hmm. Like Trixie... Uh, In the first season, and I mean, like, of course, it's a show and it has a budget and whatever. But, like, first season, Trixie looks nothing like this. This is Trixie. She is doing everything she possibly can physically to not show where she's at emotionally. So her, so I really feel like this is on point that we have her looking in the mirror. She's doing her makeup. She's, like, by the end of the episode, she looks pale and unreal, almost, how much she has changed her face to look to try and look better
1: mm. and it fits the like you're saying it the makeup department is fitting the theme of the episode that she is like hiding behind mm-hmm. uh, a facade
0: whatever she can and
1: literally a facade mm-hmm. um they also while we're still while we're talking about uh, Trixie, um the other thing that i don't Think you mentioned, but I'm just gonna quickly uh point out because it happens in this section that Trixie froths egg whites, at, and I'm like, Is she doing that for a drink? And like, Chummy comes in and asks her if she's hungover, but then no, she puts egg whites all over her face. Yeah. And there we have this scene of Trixie and Chummy with egg whites on their faces, and it's like, on one hand, it's just a funny little scene, but it's another like, Trixie, uh Trying to um, control the exterior because her interior is uh, feels out of control. To her. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah, let's mention what makes this episode happy for me, which is Chummy's back. Chummy's
1: back. Chummy so arrives. Good to see her.
0: Yeah, so she's back for a, for a visit and uh, has her mother's ashes, which is basically her plot through the whole episode. She talks to a variety of people about what to do with her mother's ashes. Um, The scene with Sister Monica Joan thinking that they're a cake is hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) And like... (laughs) It is
1: like, though, Chummy, you don't mention that it's the cake until after she has opened it. (laughs) But Sister Monica Joan is very disappointed Mm -hmm. that she doesn't have cake. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> um but they even in that like sister monica jones silliness in that scene uh she also i think i think we get a, a moment of sister monica jones uh being uh lucid and aware and uh understanding what this means for
0: mm-hmm. um for chummy yeah absolutely
1: and also missing the cake i mm-hmm. sad she doesn't have it
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Chummy's, it's Chummy's mother's anniversary Mm -hmm. coming up. Yeah. Um, I love she talks about not knowing where to scatter her mother's ashes and what she says is that she, her mother floated through the world like a scarf Mm -hmm. or a beautiful perfume. I'm not sure any place left its mark on her. Mm -hmm. Or vice versa.
0: Or vice versa. And that's... I think the crux of Chummy's uh, sadness is this. She didn't leave a mark on anything. Where can I scatter her? No place even is special. Matters? Yeah.
1: Except India and they take a dim view of you bringing human remains. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's true. Uh, and yeah. And it's like she has to, she feels like she has to as she would feel like she has to scatter the ashes somewhere that mattered to her mother someplace her mother was happy but she can't think of where that is
0: Mm -hmm. i mean let's just go like to the end because this is chummy's just whole thread which is she does end up scattering her in the thames she does so what is like the significance is just like she just chooses a place that's special to chummy
1: well fred says uh when they're i mean we're skipping way ahead yeah but Fred talking to Maureen, and talking to Marlene near the end of the episode says that every time Marlene comes back, something has changed. Nothing is constant except the Thames. Yes, and Chummy has her, like a moment of oh realization. And so I think that what she, what that means symbolically, is that she chooses a place that's not so much special to her mother as permanent Mm -hmm. because her mother floated through the world like a scarf or a perfume and all places were the same and she didn't leave a mark so she's leaving her mother someplace that will always be there Mm -hmm. that is symbolic of uh her mother's like there's a symbolic counterbalance to what she felt like was her mother's ethereal presence her Mm -hmm. mother wasn't really there for her so she scatters her ashes somewhere that is always going to be there Mm -hmm. And if Which all is... places are the same to her mother, then, a you know, a place that matters to her mother isn't important, but a place that matters to Chummy is.
0: Which is interesting because a river may be constant in being there, but it's constantly changing too. Like it's f- like floating through life, floating down a river. She's also uh, putting her somewhere where she'll just float away into the sea. Yeah. So there's kind of a, it's both fitting and as a... Permanent place and fitting as a drifting away place.
1: hmm Yep.
0: Anyway, yeah, I know I skipped ahead. I just wanted to kind of follow Chim- Chummy's plot thread there while we were at it.
1: Um, when, while we're kind of talking about the... These little plots, um, the reason Sister Monica Joan is so happy that Chummy brought cake which she didn't, but the reason Sister Monica Joan is so happy that Chumby Rock cake is because they are entertaining, and they're mm-hmm. entertaining people who are eating a lot, um, and they're entertaining Fred. Mm-hmm. And Violet. And Violet. Uh, and there's um, some business at the beginning of, like, Fred is not doing his hand- handyman mm-hmm. work properly. They try to start the fire, and Sister Evangelina gets covered in soot because... She says Fred isn't doing his job, and she's very, like, uh, critical of him. And then yep. we have this, you know, uh, comic cut to them all having tea together and after she's like, Oh, he's not doing his job with that haberdasher. Yeah. <laughs> taking all his attention. Um,
0: I found it very interesting how nervous Violet was to eat lunch with the nuns. Yeah. Because we haven't seen them through. The eyes of the, you know, average person on the street that she would feel so honored to be invited into their place when we feel like, well, everyone's always welcome. There's always people coming and going, but it's still a place of honor to someone like her. And, and she's nervous.
1: She says, you'd understand if you were a woman. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it is like, uh... It reminds me a bit of Trixie being nervous to have dinner with the bishop.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: It's like a lesser version of that. hmm That, like, the nuns are important people in the community, and uh, Violet doesn't, isn't a part of that uh, yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so it's like an honor to be invited to these important people in the community. Mm-hmm and fred's like they're just the t-
0: <laughs> yeah it's just the modest like <laughs> you know, <laughs> absolutely
1: do you want to and then um do you want to talk while we're on fred and violet about marlene yes she like fred's um daughters one is in australia And she can't come. Mm -hmm. She probably won't even hear about the engagement until they're already married. Yeah. Uh, But the other one's in Birmingham and uh, he wrote to her and hasn't heard anything back. And then she does come and she does not. She is not happy. No,
0: she is not.
1: (laughs) What do you think about this so far?
0: It feels realistic that your adult child is upset that you're remarrying even no matter how long it's been. Mm-hmm. that there can be some upsetness there and uh i find it hilarious that she just shows up like that seems very popular that she doesn't even like she didn't write back oh but then there she is just showing up on his doorstep because it's her father and he doesn't she doesn't have to let him know she can just show up you know mhm
1: yeah and then she speaking of showing up she goes to the shop to talk to violet mm. violet says i'd rather you didn't smoke in my shop because it gets into the wolves and marlene's like they're mentalated." yeah it's fine. smokes anyway
0: yeah she does like she's the rudest she can possibly be to violet it's a little shocking that this is fred's daughter because fred's so fred's nice so great. and great but she's fred's not great in every way but he's not rude no he's not <laughs> rude um
1: my dad said always said nobody could ever replace my mom yeah and I like and and nobody can
0: yeah exactly
1: uh I wrote in my note at this point is geez Marlene is a piece of work yeah exactly
0: <laughs> she is um uh, go ahead. she thinks that uh possibly she she tells violet that fred is marrying her for the money because she fred doesn't have a retirement plan and violet has a viable business but also she tells her that and we just don't know whether it's she thinks it's true or not i think you can come down on the side of she has evil machinations and she's just making this up or you can come down to the side of this is literally what she thinks that fred is doing is just trying to marry someone so he can have a retirement plan basically
1: yeah i guess i don't think i mean violet believes it mm-hmm. uh which sucks yeah i don't think marlene believes it I, th- I mean maybe she does maybe the the more generous interpretation is to think that she that's what she thinks is true, mm-hmm. but like it's awfully hard on Fred it is, and then she like goes back to him and it's like, I don't know, I really dislike Marlene, yeah,
0: <laughs> she's awful she is i I want to think that she has some good intentions and does. A man like Fred would have to have been kind of taken care of when his daughters were home. So my thought is that Marlene got used to taking care of her dad and looking in on him and checking up on him and making sure he was okay, even though both his daughters moved away. Mm -hmm. Um, And so she doesn't really want to believe that he is okay managing his own life after she's moved away. And so she wants to get in there and make sure he's making the right decision. And so she'll do everything to make sure that's happening. And he thinks, she thinks that marrying Violet is the wrong decision.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can see it from her perspective. I see all those things. I think you're probably true. And that's a fair interpretation. I do (laughs) think, though, like, uh, it's rich to, like, you don't, you live, far like you're not taking care of him at all
0: yeah oh And absolutely. as soon as
1: you appear in town you're like ruining his life yeah. <laughs> thinking you you can manage it better than him when you like it's one thing if like you are around and taking care of him all the time and then he does something you don't approve of and you're like uh it still would be unkind but like if you care so much about him why don't why do you live away you're in birmingham you don't even write
0: wow you are really hard on marlene interesting interesting (laughs) i don't think maybe
1: maybe he did need like he when he was widowed and had young children maybe Mm -hmm. he did need taken care of he takes care of himself now in all that he like he doesn't have a retirement plan but uh, she's not providing for his retirement
0: (laughs) no it's true she's um Yeah. Fred also enables her. He calls her, like, a little madam. He doesn't really take her machinations as seriously as he should, because she does get in between him and Violet Mm -hmm. pretty quickly. Um, The thing is about Fred and Violet is, it's not a great love story. No. so, like, they never say, like, I love you, I can't live without marrying you. It's kind of like, it's a very comfortable... Like, yeah. let's be together for companionship. And I think there is love and will be love that grows. But it is it can be difficult for any... I mean, maybe it's just difficult for me to see marrying someone in your old age. Because, like, well, they're my best friend. And so I might as well just marry them instead of us just staying friends. I feel
1: like, once again, you're jumping forward to what we're about to talk about. Yeah. But yeah. I think you're right. Um... Do you want to talk about uh, Trixie's deaf patient?
0: Yes. June is her name. June. She, uh... Trixie just walks in with June, uh... What is she, ironing? Yep. And I was like, if you are deaf and can't know if anyone's in your house why on earth would the door be unlocked <laughs> this just kind of bothered me that like anyone could walk it like the nurse walks in great but like literally anyone could walk in and rob her blind like she wouldn't even notice
1: why are you vacuuming with your back to an open door yeah you are deaf?
0: yeah exactly anyway
1: <laughs> if, if you're deaf and listening to this podcast <laughs>
0: oh paul <laughs> no <laughs>
1: Jan has advice for you.
0: No, If you're writing a character. Um, it's fine. It's just a little thing that kind of, like... Trixie just wa- walks in because she does her usual, like, midwife calling thing. But, uh... She... Yeah, it's weird that the door is just unlocked. <laughs> she
1: comes in and she, uh... talks and, and June doesn't really un- understands her a little mm-hmm. bit, but not really. And June can make herself barely understood to Trixie but then Kevin her husband comes in Mm -hmm. and translates and the crux of this in terms of plot is they want Kevin to be in the birthing room with June so that he can translate for her yeah and uh sister of Angelina is like as we have seen her before, beyond exasperated by the prospect of a man in the birthing room. There is no reason.
0: But like, they talk about like, I've seen it once, blah, blah, blah. But lest we forget, the first episode of this show (laughs) that they just miraculously always forget about is the woman with like... 20 children whose husband is always there in the delivery room. Like, Sister Evangelina probably delivered some of those kids. Why do they, do they not remember her anyway? Because it's she's fine. upset about it. It's fine. But I, yeah, it is uh, a debate that they have every time. And it's a fun, I think it's always. Put in, or not always, put in often. Put in for like it's fun for the audience to be like, "Remember when men were not allowed to be in the birthing suite?"
1: There's a few little moments in this episode of like, "Remember when it was the past?" Yeah. That like there's fine.
0: Often on uh, I am on the Reddit for Call the Midwife, and often people will ask like, if you could have one of the midwives as your midwife giving birth, who would you choose? And I often think, like, I like Sister Evangelina, I like Phyllis, but, like, the only reason I wouldn't have Sister Evangelina is she wouldn't allow you in the room. (laughs) And, (laughs) And like, I can't, I literally cannot imagine giving birth without you there. That would be awful.
1: (laughs) I like what Phyllis says. I've seen it once, an artsy couple. Yeah. Suffice it to say, there was a fainting episode. And it wasn't the mother. Yes.
0: (laughs) Yes, that's a lovely, (laughs) lovely quote. (laughs)
1: yes what will they think of next Mm -hmm. men in the birthing room men in the
0: birthing room it's very funny but uh yeah i love i like too that sister julienne comes down the side of well we have to have someone who can translate and if there's no one else other than the husband it's the husband you yeah, know? that
1: uh sister evangelina says there's no reason for a man in the birthing room and like in this conversation no there's a clear reason for this specific man yeah. in this specific birthing room yeah like you could have a continue your argument about uh in general but like this particular man there's actually a good reason
0: <laughs> and frankly like a few episodes ago when we had the the saletti woman She, if her husband had been around, he might have had to be there to help translate. If there had been no other options, if they couldn't wouldn't have found the other woman who's who spoke the same language. Yep. Then he might have been there. Uh Times are changing, Sister Evangelina. (laughs) (laughs) Times are changing. Times are changing.
1: We mentioned that Patsy is the other emotional core of Mm -hmm. the episode, and Patsy and Delia go out on a date. Uh near the end of the section you just recapped um Delia wants to move in together because Mm -hmm. they're tearing down the nursing residence and she's getting an apartment allowance and she says lots of girls share flats not Mm -hmm. even a nun would bat an eyelid it's true um
0: it is kind of the perfect solution for them the perfect like I mean no Perfect would be them actually being able to be out and married and have a accepting society, but it's a nice little. It's a, it's it's prospect. so it would be so nice. <laughs> yeah. Um.
1: Lots of girls share flats. Lots
0: of girls share flats. Lots of.
1: You said I think last episode or maybe before, but uh, something about like, um gay men are very scrutinized, but uh, lesbians can fly just under the radar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we see that on the show and it is like historically true too.
0: Yeah. Um, actually, while we're talking about that, I want to mention that on our Discord, uh, Danny said that kind of responded to us talking about flying under the radar and said lesbians could fly under the radar and it wasn't against the law because they didn't think women could do that sort of thing. But it could have ended their livelihood and careers. They had to be protected and guarded. And yeah, it's like that's a really good point, Danny. That like oh for sure, it, they they can fly under the radar a lot more. But absolutely, they like if it got out, both of them could lose their nursing careers. Both of them could lose their lives. Like people yeah. could attack them on the street for yeah. We shouldn't. For this.
1: We definitely shouldn't uh, imply that like. It was easy. It was easy and no big deal. Uh,
0: Not at all. Not at all. But what it also is, is um, realistic too. The number of, you know, oh, my aunt always had a roommate her whole life. Yep. (laughs) Huh. I wonder what was going on there. You know, like that kind of story is very common from the past. Yep. Um, The last uh, patient we have is Maureen, who is suffering mm. from uh, extreme morning sickness and is unable to keep any food down at all. The, mm-hmm. I the scene in the clinic where her friend is like, listen to me, list all the ingredients in this baby food, and she, <laughs> she just throws, throws up her purse. <laughs> oh, it's... oh, it's rough, it's rough. Yep.
1: Yeah. Her story gets more going on but at this point we basically just have met her right
0: yeah yeah so moving on to maureen barbara visits maureen but is unable to get her to eat or drink her son is affected too as she can't make any food for him she also reveals that her husband is in jail not at sea as she previously said later barbara is able to get her son into a nursery as a help Fred and Violet meet in the morning, and Violet breaks things off with Fred, thinking that he's not marrying her for the right reasons. Chummy talks with Sister Monica Joan about her mother's ashes and her inability to let them go. Barbara finds Maureen collapsed in her home, and she's diagnosed with hypermesis gravidarium. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. She is put in the maternity home and is watched over by Sheila. Sheila. Sister Mary Cynthia and Trixie go to see Jane, who thinks she's in labour, but it's a false alarm. She's upset over not knowing if her baby will be hearing or not, and how much she wants to tell him that he's loved. The boiler in the Nautilus is on the fritz because of Fred's neglect, so Chummy goes and visits him. Fred is alone and talks about Marlene loving their flat. Patsy and Delia find an apartment perfect for them. They have a toast and a picnic on the floor. Sheila asks Patrick if there's something they can give Maureen for her nausea, and he finds one called Distaval.
1: So, um, let's start... I want to start by talking about the, uh, the Fred and Violet Mm -hmm. story. Yeah. Um... You were, you started talking about this last time and I was like, you're jumping ahead, but let's come back to it now because Violet says all the things that you were, uh, or Violet says.
0: Yeah. Like, why can't they just stay friends if that's all they need to do?
1: Yeah. She doesn't say all the things you were saying, but I think behind what she's saying is all the things you were saying. Mm -hmm. Like, why do you want to marry me? Is it just because you want a, you know, uh cozy convenient retirement Mm -hmm. um she's why do you want to marry me fred's like well i thought we had needs we can give each other and take care of each other and she's like i don't need taking care of Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and what is unsaid but only barely in that conversation is if you're only marrying me for convenience let's not get married at all yeah exactly fred seems very uh um caught off guard by this whole conversation Mm mm-hmm uh and i feel like when like i in this conversation i i like it and i like all the things you were saying come to the surface that like fred isn't able to or willing to or understanding what she's asking of him he doesn't put it in romantic terms at this point when it's important that he does yes exactly um which is
0: sad because fred's such a romantic he is
1: I think when he says we fit together, we have needs that we can, uh, each other can meet. I think he is thinking of that as romantic needs Mm -hmm. and she is hearing that as pragmatic and financial needs. Yes, exactly. Right. So she thinks that what he is telling her is you can pay my bills. Mm -hmm.
0: Uh,
1: and what he is telling her is you can hug and kiss me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. So when she says that you're marrying me for the wrong reasons, it's the wrong reasons are like I don't want a uh roommate and bank partner. Mhm. I don't need any of that.
0: Yeah.
1: And then Fred is just heartbroken.
0: I know.
1: Chummy comes in and finds uh, Mon- Sister Monica Joan all wrapped up in blankets because he hasn't taken care of the boiler. Yep. She says that she's so cold because the boiler has died from inattention and I my- might suffer the same fate. <laughs> <laughs> because Fred hasn't been hand manning because he's heartbroken. Like mm-hmm. you thought he wasn't doing well when he was all smitten. Yeah, Now exactly. he's really not doing anything. Yeah. In that scene, by the way, Chummy calls Sister Monica Joan Mrs. Hiawatha, which is a reference, I mean, it's partly a reference to Hiawatha as a real person who is a historical leader of First Nations people. It's a little unclear in the history which people, Mohawk or Onondaga, or maybe both. Um, but Chummy is. Oh, Actually, referencing a poem by Longfellow about mm-hmm. Hiawatha, which is why Sister Monica Joan replies by saying, I would reply in verse. Mm-hmm. Because uh, there's a epic poem by Longfellow called Hiawatha or some, something about Hiawatha, about uh, him falling in love. And so Sister Monica Joan looks like Mrs. Hiawatha. Uh, and Sister Monica Joan wants to be able to quote the Longfellow poem, but her, her brain is too jellied uh, <laughs> to recall the scantest couplet. Also, I thought she said her brain is too jellied, but then I saw the captions and it's jellied, uh, which just means very cold. Mm, that makes way more sense. She's frozen. She's frozen. And she's going to die of inattention, just like the boiler.
0: Oh, brother. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and speaking of that the person who's actually in danger of dying from inattention is maureen
0: yes exactly
1: do you want to talk about her
0: well she barbara is very concerned and she calls up sheila who's like you know it's just morning sickness blah 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 but like she's throwing up 20 plus times a day that's not you know, your normal morning sickness.
1: Yeah, Sheila says the doctor can't come by for simple morning sickness. Mm -hmm. And Barbara's like, this is not simple morning sickness.
0: So... (laughs) It's just nerves. Yeah, and this is uh, very... uh, Our Barbara, who is positive and very hard working in these kind of situations. She's like, I'm going to do everything I can to solve it. And she gets, she like makes a phone call to get her son into nursery and like tosses a paper in the air because she's so excited. And then Sister Evangelina is all like, don't throw trash in the floor.
1: (laughs) I love, I love, I have to stop on that moment because she's so happy. She says, if the morning sickness really is nerves, then having her son taken care of will make things easier for her. And a sister Evangeline says, well, it's hardly scientific. <laughs> but it is full of compassion and common sense, which is just what a midwife needs to have. Yep. And Barbara exactly. just
0: beams.
1: Mm-hmm. So like. Yep. Praise from Sister Evangelina is like big deal. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> full of
1: compassion and common sense. It's high praise from Sister Evangelina. Yes. Um, we hear. That uh, Maureen's husband isn't at sea, as you said, he's in prison for burglary. She says he's in Wormwood Scrubs. Do you know anything?
0: I didn't look that up. No, did you? The Wormwood
1: Scrubs is a prison in London. It is London's most infamous prison. Hmm. Famous became famous in the '70s for IRA protests on the roof oh, okay. uh, and for its governor quitting just before calling the place a penal dustbin. It has since the 60s been famously dirty and overcrowded. It still exists. In 2017, uh, uh, inspectors reported it to be filthy and infested with cockroaches and rats. So I don't think that's like, it's just a, I think probably in terms of the writing, it's just a prison in London. But like, it's a famously filthy, uh, inhumane prison (sighs) in London.
0: That's disappointing to hear yep not unlike our prison here in st john's which yep. is similar because it was built in queen victoria time That's victorian right. times as we call them queen <laughs> victoria times <laughs> Listen, um,
1: <laughs> but maureen is eventually uh so like when she comes in and pat and barbara finds her collapsed on the ground barbara is convinces the doctor to come see her and Mm -hmm. that's where they're like we have to do something yeah
0: she's extremely dehydrated and this is famously what uh Kate Middleton had with all her pregnancies and I have heard from people who have had hypermesis gravidarium that it is awful
1: (laughs) yeah I can only imagine 20-30 times vomiting a day
0: so what happens here with June as well? Let's move on to her. Is that she uh, has thinks she's in labor and it's a false alarm, and uh, when Sister Mary Cynthia and Trixie go to see her, she's really more upset than your average mom would be over it being a false alarm, and uh, she she with uh, with Kevin's help explains that she's upset that she wanted to meet her baby tonight. She really thought she would because she thinks when she finally looks in his face, she'll know uh, if he's hearing or not. She'll see, be able to, like, feel the love for him. That they, and But she's also, like, worried because they'll be separate from each other, so they won't be able to feel those feelings together anymore.
1: Yeah, it's like... I feel like that whole scene and conversation is, uh, realistically less about like, I'm upset that this was false labor as like, this is a straw that breaks a camel's back of an anxiety that I've been holding on to my entire pregnancy Mm -hmm. of like, uh, if my, what, how does she put it exactly? If she, if he can hear, uh, then I'll never hear his voice. And if he can't, he'll never hear his father's voice.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: And like either way, he's gonna be missing a parent. Mm-hmm. She doesn't quite say that. But yeah. that's the like beneath the anxiety that she that her her child is going to be missing one of his parents. Mm-hmm. Either whether he's hearing or not. Yeah. And it's yeah, that's hard. And it's connects, I think, uh, thematically to the whole like who you are inside and who you present to the world and how that how you connect to the world mm-hmm. like who you see in the mirror is she sees she is worried that she is not going to she's worried that she's not going to see herself reflected in her child but more that her child isn't going to see himself reflected in his parents or mm-hmm. in one of his parents mm-hmm. right yeah
0: yeah Let's move on to the next section. Uh, we taught, I mentioned oh, in do this you have one- to. Yeah, know, right? We, I mentioned Patsy and Delia having an, a cute little apart- picnic in their apartment on the floor. So yeah, let's move we didn't on to really that. Talk about that, I guess. Yeah. Delia borrows Patsy's bike and scarf to go to work, but is struck by a car and winds up in the hospital. Chummy helps Marlene say what she really feels—that she's really upset about Fred moving house. They reconcile, and she goes to tell Violet the truth and gives her the, her blessing, leading Violet and Fred getting back together. In the hospital, Delia's mother arrives, and Patsy finds that Delia has lost her memory due to the head injury. Her mother takes her back to Wales, and Patsy is left alone in the apartment with her flowers. She cleans the entire apartment and sobs. In the morning, she leaves the flat for good. June goes into labor and Kevin's allowed to stay in the room. The three of them make a happy family, which brings sadness to Trixie. Trixie returns home and has several drinks, calling the Samaritans. And Sister Mary Cynthia comes to help her. She goes to AA for the first time. Maureen recovers from her extreme nausea, saying she'll tell her friends about Dr. Turner's magic pill. Trixie goes to AA and tells her whole story. And lastly, mature Jenny narrates about endings and beginnings as we see Chummy pour out her mother's ashes into the Thames, and Fred and Violet get married.
1: Let's leave Patsy and Delia to the end, because I have a lot to say about it. Mm -hmm. Or I don't know how much I have to say. I have heated things to say about it. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about, uh, let's finish off Fred and Violet first. Yes. Um... Marlene is, like, Fred is perplexed that Marlene is so attached to the apartment because it's not even where their mother ever lived. Mm-hmm. They got the apartment after the Blitz, and uh, Marlene's mother never lived there. And this is where we get the conversation about Marlene saying, every time I come back, there's some gap mm-hmm. uh, where something used to be. Yeah. Um, And that, like, the apartment... uh. She likes the apartment, and it's where she grew up, but it also, like, symbolizes every time she comes home, something has changed, and something is gone, and she can't see, she doesn't see, and can't see, and doesn't want to see, and, uh, Fred marrying Violet as being, as something being added, she sees it as something being lost, Mm -hmm. and the thing being lost is the apartment, but it seems like, um... What it is, isn't important. Mm -hmm. (laughs) One more thing. Yeah. Uh, And she talks, she gives this like, quite moving, I think, speech about going back to the apart, to the house that had been bombed in the Blitz Mm and expecting to find things in the rubble, but it had been bulldozed. Yeah. And things are everything from her childhood was gone. And this apartment is where she and her sister and Fred got on Mm -hmm. and survived without their mother and without everything they'd had before and if fred is going to leave it behind too uh every time i come home there's another gap or something used to be yep and fred says sometimes i think it's only the river that stays the same we see that even in this show that like london changes Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: they're not in the original nonatus anymore
1: no ain't that the truth Things do just go away.
0: I mean, I can relate to that so hard, but that I don't live anywhere near my hometown anymore. But when I go back and visit it, uh, where I grew up used to be on the very edge of the city. And now it is like three miles away from the edge of the city. Like there's so much development there. I mean, that's an opposite problem is that like things aren't being tore down. They're going up. But it's a weird feeling to go back to where you used to be and like, you literally can't go to the places that used to exist. Yep. They're and your completely mom doesn't gone. live there anymore. Exactly. Yeah. But even
1: if she, like, there's two things. Your mom doesn't live there anymore. And also, there isn't even really a there in the way that there used to be. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I, it's.
0: See, I this think... is where I'm like, I relate to Marlene. I understand her. I'm getting where she's coming from. At this I'm like... point, I do. <laughs> so, like, she's not all bad. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. She's so rude and mean. She is so rude She and realizes it at this point. Yeah, like, exactly. She says, when she
1: goes and talks to Violet, she says, like, my uh, mother would tan me if she knew I, ge- I was keeping my dad from being happy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Exactly. Like, that's what she needs to... That's what she finally realizes. I do... I I understand it. I do. But I'm mm-hmm. like... Uh, she's literally preventing Fred yeah. from being happy.
0: Yeah. Um. Also, I gotta say that having Chummy back in this episode is really perfect because Fred and Chummy have such a good relationship. Yes. You know, she named her son after him and everything. So if he... Ha- if... I'm just really glad the actress was able to be there for this episode. Yes. And so that it wasn't just like, oh, Chummy's not here for Fred getting married, which is like weird that she wouldn't be there for that. So it's nice that she's there.
1: She's there and she facilitates all the reconciling. And I like that mm-hmm. she's there. And Marlene is like, what are you doing here?
0: Yeah, it's just like when Chummy's mother was there and like you named your son after the handyman it's like no one gets chummy and fred but they're
1: like fred it's chummy it's really fred important. is there for chummy and chummy is there for fred exactly it's like yeah of course she's there i mean not of course because tv shows and actresses yeah. but of course the character is there yeah Uh, although I do think it's a little weird that she's there supervising Fred and Violet's reconciliation.
0: (laughs) Yes, that was a little weird. She's like, I'm going to watch them kiss from over here. (laughs) But
1: they reconcile and when they reconcile, uh, Fred says that he "I I would live in a ditch as long as it's with you. Yeah. Which is like, finally, as Chummy says, right answer. It's not he he articulates they still don't say they love each other, no. but he articulates that like I'm not marrying you because of your house or your apartment or your savings. Mm-hmm. I want to live with you.
0: Exactly.
1: That's what it's she needed sweet. to hear. That's the right reason, Fred. Yep. Exactly. And I think he always was marrying her for the right reason, but he didn't he wasn't yeah. able to articulate it. Exactly. Um Do you want to talk about Trixie?
0: Yeah. So basically by the end of the episode, we discover why June isn't this episode at all. Like it's a, it's the laboring mother of the week. She, you know, feels sad about uh, her baby. And, but it really is like, it's a loving family. The three of them really love each, the two of them really love each other. And then it becomes the three of them. Yeah. And, the reason that they're in the episode is to is because it makes Trixie sad. Yeah. To see this couple that is together, this happy family and Trixie goes home alone and her monologue in AA is beautiful. You know, it's heart-wrenching, yeah. heart-wrenchingly beautiful. The way it's filmed, where you see no other people. Yes, Like, agreed. well done to the director for having it all, like, in darkness except for her all alone. And she just delivers this long monologue. And, like, so, like, the actress, amazing job. And uh, what I love so much about her speech is it's a story we've heard before. Yep. So often I feel like on TV, when someone has a traumatic moment from a long time ago or a story, you hear it once and then it's like, and then it was over, you know. Mm -hmm. But we've heard this story at least three times from Trixie about her dad and her having to be, you know, the happy sunshine kid. And so having her say this and having her admit that she has the same drinking problem that her dad had is oh it's so good
1: i totally agree for all those reasons yeah that it isn't it is the uh hallmark of weak writing to like suddenly she's talking about like her uh you know some traumatic thing that we've never heard of Mm -hmm. someone dying in front of her or like whatever yeah. Would be what a crummy show would do and so many do. Mm-hmm. Like this is part of her character and always has been. Always has and been. And now we look and like, she's always had a drinking problem from the first episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, she could manage it for a long time. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, uh, and she's always been, uh, wanted to be the little ray of sunshine mm-hmm. like we've, from the first episode. Uh, and she's said that on screen before. Like, it's really well done because it feels like a culmination of a character rather than a hard left turn.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. Um, the thing about the... to You went by quickly, but just to stop for a moment on June and Kevin. that mm-hmm. June says uh, after her baby is born... I think we called the baby a hymn. Do we know it's a boy? Yeah, it is a boy. Okay. Um so after their son is born, June says, "Like even if I never hear your voice, or you never hear mine, your father loves you and I love you and we love each other." So, like mm-hmm. she says, she goes back to the call back to her previous speech that, like, all you need to know is that we love you, and all I need to know is that we love you, and yeah. that's what like, uh, it's a happy family, but it's also a family who like. Despite uh, things, despite obstacles, all that matters is that they have each other and love each other, mm-hmm. is what Trixie is like. Yeah. Yeah, missing out on and feeling like she. In her speech, it's, her speech is an oblique reference to that, that like her father, she was someone that her father needed, uh, and that made her feel good rather than someone that her father. That she felt like her father loved for herself. Mm-hmm. She doesn't quite put those pieces together, but I think the show does yes. for us. Or the show invites us to. And then she meets on the way home from that delivery. She meets Tom and they just have a little conversation. A little conversation about like he's going to sit by a dying man and she just gave birth. So the show's connecting birth and dying mm-hmm. one more time. Um, But really that conversation is just like she sees him. Yeah and she's like there's the contrast of like she was unable to unwilling to uh overcome obstacles for him that's why she they broke up is she he she thought he needed someone who could could and would overcome obstacles would go to the moon for him and then she sees this like your father and I love you uh even though we can't hear each other or uh you mm-hmm And she's, like, really contrasting that she can get Tom's love, but not in the way that she she can't give him love in the way that he needs it, and she can't get it in the way that she needs it, and she feels so alone. Mm -hmm. She calls the Samaritans. Do you know? Did you look them up? I did not. I looked them up a bit. Uh, They are a... Charity that was founded in 1953 and still exists in the UK and Ireland. It's like, um, like specifically, as she says, is it okay for me to call if I don't want to kill myself? Mm
0: -hmm. It's like a suicide helpline. It's a suicide
1: Mm helpline. It has been since the 50s. Uh, It was founded by a a, uh, curate who, um, after like a girl in his uh, parish killed herself after she started menstruating, because she thought she had an STD.
0: Oh my gosh! And he was That's... like,
1: "We, this can't happen." Mm-hmm. So he uh, started the Samaritans. We have in Canada. We I, I there's Kids Help Phone. Mm-hmm. I don't know that there's something similar for adults actually. Um, but apparently it is. Uh, there are mental helplines very well known in the uk and in ireland Mm -hmm. partly i know about the samaritans because it features in james acaster's comedy routines.
0: oh right yes i knew that
1: he has a whole bit about calling the samaritans while he was on celebrity bake-off
0: yes just i would love to talk about that but let's laugh people can look that up themselves yes (laughs) it's very good very interesting
1: um is there anything oh you want well me...
0: okay so maureen gets her kind of magic pill oh yes um
1: oh my goodness sorry that, go on
0: <laughs> that dr turner finds after basically like they're always being hawked these drugs by various reps and he finds one that can help her with her nausea um I think at the end of this episode, we're going to have to have a little spoiler zone because there are some things set up in this episode, including that, that like, it just gets resolved in this episode, but it's actually set up for the next season. So yeah,
1: we will, after the credits, uh, after the music this episode, we will have a spoiler zone because there's a couple things I want to address. And I'm going to go back and edit in when you say no spoilers. Yeah. At the start, I'm going to put in... Except there'll be a, something afterwards. Yeah. Uh, so if, now that you're listening to it, you knew all along that there's going to be spoilers, but we didn't until now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. So speaking of spoilers, uh, we've avoided it long enough. Uh, Delia gets in a horrible accident and loses her memory. Yes. This is awful for Patsy. It's. It makes me so upset like they finally got their perfect arrangement they're going to be roommates they're going to live as well as they can together and then she's struck by a car and like that morning that morning and has to go home with her mother to wales
1: and yeah. there's a little <sighs> moment there's like a few little things like she's riding uh patsy's bike and has patsy's scarf so there's a little moment where sister winifred uh, thinks that it's Patsy. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't get any payoff on that, which I'm glad. Yeah, uh, me too. There's just a little moment of like, oh, is it Patsy? Probably they filmed something, but it's better without it. Mm-hmm. And Patsy visit, like tries to call the hospital and they won't tell her because she is, are you family? I'm just a friend.
0: This is why, I, I got to interrupt there. Cause this is why, So you have Fred and Violet who just uh, want to marry each other for companionship and and love, but like they are allowed to just get married, Mm -hmm. whereas uh, Patsy and Delia can't. And this is a reason why they would want to get married, aside from love and all the reasons you get married, is that they won't even tell Patsy how the love of her life is doing. Yeah she can't have can say anything other than like I'm her friend, I was going to be her roommate. Like Yeah, exactly. The this is uh it's so upsetting that she can't get any information until she goes there. This
1: is there. one of many, but this is one of the like practical reasons why you see that sometimes with people who are I uh, like um common law. Common law but the the people who uh Make a I think bad faith, but maybe just ignorant argument against gay marriage. Say like, well, if you're just li- if you're living together and uh, having sex and whatever, why do you need the official permission from the government? And this is a perfect example of why, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? That like, even if they had been uh, roommates, and no one thinks twice about uh, uh, girls share flats all the time. She still, they wouldn't, it wouldn't mean anything to the hospital. Yeah, exactly. And like This is a real thing that happens all the time mm-hmm. in places where uh, people aren't allowed to get married. Yeah. Um, and all through, so she calls, she, the hospital won't tell her anything. And then she goes to the hospital and Delia's mother is there and Delia, Delia's mother doesn't know who she is. Yeah. She's like, oh, you're the lady she helps at Cubs. Mm-hmm. And I was like flip my table mad <laughs> yeah but all through she can't tell anyone yeah what delia means to her mm-hmm. she has to pretend that like we're we're just friends mm-hmm. and uh the like few things all in this so delia has amnesia we didn't say yeah uh, her head injury gets, she has seizures, but she also has amnesia. She doesn't remember who Patsy is. Mm-hmm. Um, she doesn't,
0: re- like, she, for a moment, doesn't remember who her mother is either. Yeah. Are you a nurse? No, I'm your mom.
1: So, Patsy doesn't even have Delia, like, Delia doesn't know about Patsy. Patsy has no one that she can confide in, uh no one who understands what she's going through at all Mm -hmm. um there's like
0: it's too much it's too much it's so when we first watched this episode back in whatever year it came out in um i remember both of us and were upset at this episode because of what they did but actually angry at the writers for doing it we almost gave up on call the midwife at this episode and that's partly why we're gonna have a spoiler zone in this episode is because uh so you can hear why we stuck with call the midwife but uh to have okay i feel like i'm getting ahead of myself but like there's a whole trope in the media of kill your gays is gay people don't get to be happy they get killed off. It happens repeatedly again and again throughout uh, television and movie history. And it is... Uh, and it sucks. It sucks. And, like, in there's a way in this show, like,
1: I feel like this is a, in one sense, this is a repeat of Jenny and Alec. Who yes. are like they're going to be happy together, and then Alec falls off a building and dies. Mm-hmm. But this is worse than Jenny and Alec in the sh- part in the show, but in world because Patsy can't even mourn publicly mm-hmm. uh, because uh, nobody gives her any support. It, uh nobody is able to give her under any support. Nobody understands or can understand. Um, it's worse because out of the show like amnesia like this isn't real <laughs> or it kind of is real but honestly people die it is horrible and painful but it's common i like quote from hamlet you thou knowest tis common all that lives must die killing characters on a show is mean but it and it makes us sad but it feels fair because people do die and uh We watching the show are like, someone died, and I have also uh, loved people who died, and even the show, is even the audience is with them. People don't forget their girlfriends after a bike accident. Like, that's a vanishingly rare uh, thing to happen. We do get rare medical uh, things on the show sometimes, (laughs) but, like, it's a terrible thing to do for the show to do to Patsy, because she now, like... Plot-wise, Delia might as well be dead. Mm-hmm. But Patsy doesn't get any support from anyone. And Patsy can't... Not just because she has to pretend not to have loved Delia, but also because, you know, when Alec died, everyone around was like, I've lost someone too, Jenny. Even if everybody knew who Delia was to Patsy, nobody is like, my girlfriend also got amnesia and forgot I existed. Yeah, Right? Like, the. There's no uh, possibility of real empathy. And then we have the contrast in this episode of like Trixie sobbing on the phone and Mary Cynthia hugging her and being like, You're not alone. Delia is alone. Patsy. Sorry, Patsy is alone. I'm like, Can I visit? No, we'll see how she does.
0: Yeah, can, can I? Can I
1: call? We're not on the telephone.
0: You can write.
1: You can write. She has no one. Yeah. It's a horrible thing for the show to do to her. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that is, like, if that was all there was. Yeah. If this show existed in a vacuum, it would be a horrible thing to do to this character. But it doesn't exist in a vacuum. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, gay couples... either break up because one of them wants to have a baby and adoption doesn't exist in fiction, or uh, one of them dies. <laughs> like, we we can't allow uh, happy lesbians on TV. Yeah. Um, and maybe there's a few... Uh, like, I don't pretend to watch every show. Maybe there's been more. I remember watching this the first time, and being like, if I see I looked up my what my reaction was, and I tweeted like if I see one more dead lesbian on TV <laughs> like or for plot purposes dead yeah. I know I know that in real life, uh you know memory loss isn't death, but for plot purposes, she might as well
0: be dead, yeah, exactly. There are other people who have said much more profound things about this than we have. So I do encourage you to look up, you know, kill your gays as a trope and see what gay people have said about it. Not just us, but...
1: Bury your gays often it is. Bury don't, your do gaze, not Google kill gays. No,
0: don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> bury your gays. Bury your gays. Okay. Um,
1: and the episode... Uh, Patsy's part of the episode ends with her putting the flowers she brought for Delia mm. into the ugly picture in the shared flat that they aren't going to share. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, and looking at the light going and, through. Yeah, Delia talks cleaning about the, the light coming through the windows and shining on the flowers. And Patsy puts those flowers in that thing. And they they have a shot of her like smiling. But I'm like, F you show. <laughs>
0: yeah. uh, and just to be uh, clear, those flowers are Dahlia's, Delia's. They right. are after her.
1: Um, she made the apartment nice, but it's empty. Yeah. She like cleans it up and it's all carpeted and all the windows clean and the walls are all nice. She makes it all nice and then it's empty and it's symbolic, right? Mm-hmm. Of like, they just were going to have something nice and now her life is empty.
0: Yeah. Um, and Fred and Violet get to get married. And as much as I love Fred and Violet getting married... The fact that it's countered with this horrible treatment of Patsy is just it's heartbreaking.
1: And I didn't even see till you said it, but like, I'm going to uh, say good eye on um, Pat. I mean, Violet and Fred could have gotten married for the wrong reasons.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? Yeah, That would exactly. have been fine. <laughs> and then if Violet was in a car bike accident Fred could come visit her Mm -hmm. like it really is such a contrast because uh them getting married and why is their business Mm -hmm. right
0: yeah exactly
1: oh it was rough yeah do you have a favorite part of this episode (laughs) we'll we'll talk more about this yeah after the credits but I think we're done the unspoily part
0: yes I agree
1: Do you have a favorite part of this episode?
0: I think that it is. I think it's Chummy coming back. Yeah. I think it's her coming back and the the first scene with her and Mr. Monica Joan. I just like it. I don't really have a specific tiny moment. I love, I mean, Trixie's whole uh, speech monologue is so well done. Yeah. What about you?
1: I was going to say Trixie's monologue, but also I was going to say the same things. Trixie's (laughs) monologue and Chummy's like whole story. Mm -hmm. Um, I like the ending, the um, Jenny voiceover at the very end. It goes on maybe a little longer than I would like it to, but it starts off with sometimes it's hard to tell the difference between endings and beginnings Mm. as Chummy pours her mother's ashes into the Thames and Fred and Violet get married. And like, if we took Patsy's plot out of this episode, I like this episode a lot Mm -hmm. and what it's saying about beginnings and endings. And if we think of Fred and Violet as uh counterpoint to chummy saying goodbye to her mother then i love it as like it's it's the end of something but it's the beginning of something and chummy uh, pouring her mother's ashes into the thames is the end of something but also the beginning of something and to maureen the end the beginning of uh uh Fred's life with Violet is the end of Fred's life alone and the ending feels like a beginning and I feel like this is a huge theme for the whole show that's articulated so well both in the voiceover and in the kind of the whole themes of this episode. hmm So maybe that's my favorite. I also really like the way that Chummy puts, like, her mother floated through the world like a beautiful perfume. hmm It's so bittersweet. It's like a beautiful tribute to her mother that also is sad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's Absolutely. Very poetic.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, if you have things to say about this episode or and want to chat with us, where can you do that, Paul? You can email us
1: poplar at clockworksacademy.com. You can find us on Twitter at poplar opinion We can uh find our you can talk to us on the uh Discord for this podcast, which will be linked in the show notes and you can find other things that clockworks academy does at clockworksacademy.com uh and it would be i'd love it if you did <laughs> you can support us at patreon.com slash clockworkscast that'll support this show and other things that clockworks academy does and it will help us you know keep the lights on and the heat on as i'm shivering a bit in this uh, <laughs> <laughs> basement recording studio at the moment uh, thank you very much for joining us on this episode i've been paul Moffat.
0: i've been jan moffitt and that's just my popular opinion All right, let's get into the three spoilery things to talk about. See, so I didn't even mention the earlier spoilery thing, which okay. is one is Chummy, two is Thalidomide, and three is Delia. So, thalidomide uh, first. Thalidomide first? Or whatever. I was just saying Chummy first because okay. I. Chummy first. Only that this is the last time we see Chummy. Yeah, Unless uh, she magically appears in an episode beyond season 12 or whatever we're at in the present. This is actually Chummy's last episode, which is a little sad because, like, it's. uh, I noticed that when she threw her the ashes into the Thames, Peter and her and Fred, her son, are there with her and like barely even on screen, and that's the last time we see them all together. Peter stays on the show for a few more seasons for. I don't even They barely can justify that. <laughs> because like, we just have Chummy's just not around. Chummy just isn't
1: on screen. Yeah. She's around so, in their lives, but not on
0: screen. Yeah, so I, because uh, I had to look it up after this episode. I'm like, does Chummy come back again? I'm like, no, this is actually, she comes back for one episode, which is great. It's this one and never seen from again, much like other people will be on this show as well. But,
1: it's a shame. I like uh, Chummy a lot. As a character, I like uh, what's her name? Miranda Hart. Miranda Hart a lot. Uh, you show. got all obsessed with Miranda the uh sitcom, which is funny, but I, I like her am... best on this show. Yeah.
0: Uh. Anyway, that's just wanted to say that that's just so people know if they're listening to the spoilers, this is you're right. This is the last time you see Chummy. <laughs> uh. So thalidomide, the drug that
1: they give. Uh, um. Maureen. Maureen. <laughs> He just mentions right at the end, it's thalidomide. And I have my notes like thalidomide, oh crap. Um, Yeah, it's, I mean. If you know things about uh, drug names and the history of medicine, thalidomide rings a bell.
0: Yeah, well, and it's a little ham-fisted that like, she's like, and what's in that magic pill? Who on earth would ever ask that? Yeah, (laughs) agreed. you know, whatever. It's one of a few, as I said, like
1: writing to the audience who knows things in the future yeah but the other one that i didn't say on the show is like i don't think paper handkerchiefs will ever catch on oh I yeah like, that's oh, the please. other one
0: yeah I <laughs> roll But um, yeah so th- th- say just, about the spoiler? yeah uh no you go ahead
1: this isn't the last we'll hear of thalidomide thalidomide in history uh if you're unfamiliar it causes birth defects well
0: they should be familiar if they're listening to the spoiler zone
1: Oh, yeah. If you're <laughs> the spoiler zone, you've seen the rest. So, like...
0: This is the drug that causes baby Susan, specifically.
1: Yes. So, we're gonna deal with uh, the aftermath of this moment mm-hmm. in future seasons. Which,
0: like, it's so interesting to see uh, Dr. Turner look through all of these, like, flyers for, like, what drug could I possibly subscri- uh, prescribe to her? So, like the guilt that he feels later about thalidomide. Now seeing this episode again, I'm like, oh, this is, yeah, this is why he feels so much guilt. Like he sought it out. He sought out a drug to help this woman. Yeah. And, and then when it worked, he started, you know, prescribing it, not knowing how awful the consequences would be.
1: Yeah. So it's like extremely rough.
0: Yeah. And I think the thalidomide plot is going to be, one of the most major plots this show ever has. Like it's yep. an illness that goes on for multiple episodes, which that never happens. And the the mother, Susan's mother, comes back in multiple episodes. Yeah, and if
1: we're going to be in spoiler e corner, yeah. she comes back in multiple seasons.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, which, is, which is cool. I'm so glad they did, like, to finally have that has been nice. Like it used to be, get a, have gotten annoyed that, you know, characters come and go and you never see them again.
1: And it's not, Susan's mother is not uh, Maureen.
0: No, no, that too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So um, this is not the last we see of Delia. No. They kind of undo it. They do undo it. I don't remember, like we will get to it eventually, unspoilery, but uh, I don't remember all the details of what happens because I was so mad at the show that I, I... I think like even when Delia comes back, I was just like uh, uh, uh. You know? <laughs> yeah. You you're undoing it now because you're like I was so mad at this choice. Yeah,
0: I genuinely like I'm curious because I haven't watched these episodes again that I don't remember exactly how she comes back, but it gets undone. She gets her memory back, she remembers Patsy, they go off into the sunset somehow.
1: Yeah. And Patsy leaves the show. Patsy
0: leaves the show and so does Delia. There's something, like,
1: I may be wrong because I'm just remembering from watching it years ago, but I think that, like, she gets her memory back and her mother won't tell Patsy because she's trying to keep them apart.
0: Yeah, I think so too.
1: But then it doesn't work and they do find each other again and go off into the sunset.
0: So I'm glad I am, like,
1: I was, that doesn't undo this crappy moment, Mm -hmm. but if, you know, if you keep watching the show... I feel like there is a bit of an acknowledgement of like, this was a bad choice and let's undo it.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know whether they got letters or anything that they were responding to, but I hope so. Because, yeah. man, was I mad when that episode aired. Me we too. were ready to just like quit entirely. And then here we are. And it's like 12 seasons in and we're still watching it. So good. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, is there anything else we all want to say here in the spoiler zone? <laughs> I don't think so. We're not going to do this very often. Yep. But uh, sometimes
0: we kind of have to.
1: I can't think of when we will again, but we might. Um, thanks uh, well, for joining hey, us. Hey,
0: wait, wait. We could say like, if you like us talking about spoilers, you could ask. You could be like, hey, can you guys add a spoiler zone after every episode? And we'll be like, sure. We can talk about what happens with Trixie and AA and what happens with, yeah, you know, all that stuff. Sure, If you, if you wa- want. Probably not. But if you want. <laughs> We've watched all of the show and tell
1: what's aired currently but my memory uh, is a little fuzzy because it's years ago mm-hmm. but i'm happy to talk spoilers if, if there is call for it uh so let us know let us know i'm not gonna go through all the ways to contact us again and this is just gonna suddenly end without music